Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. Hello, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in today. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, the Bible records Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's this great first uh, significant teaching of his ministry on earth. And I recently did a sermon where I walked through the first part of this sermon. Uh, And in the first few verses of chapter 5 in Matthew, we have what's called the Beatitudes. These uh, statements uh, from the Lord Jesus are very powerful. And I would like to just share in a series of of podcasts here uh, each of those verses. And so we're going to start today with an excerpt from that sermon uh, on verse number three. Uh, It reads, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or in other translations, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And so I hope you appreciate this. I uh, will share now the Uh, excerpt from the sermon, and then a few comments at the end. But thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Think of these thousands, perhaps, of people who have come to see and to hear from Jesus. He went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, right? That's verse 1, verse 1 and 2. I like the, the, the versions. You read different translations or, or versions of the text. This is the New International Version's uh, text of this passage. But the ESV, the English Standard Version, especially in chapter, or verse 2, take a look here. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, okay? He opened his mouth. I want you to know, I'll get into the teacher mode here, but he opened his mouth. That's a really key phrase. It was a key phrase to the Greeks, okay, to the Greek culture, because the Greeks, when, when you say, I'm going to open my mouth, it really meant that something that you were about to say was going to be significant and grave. Like, it's serious. And so Jesus opened his mouth, and all the Greeks said, oh. So people who were Greeks who would read this, who would say, oh, he opened his mouth. But it also had a meaning for the Hebrews as well, the Jewish people. They used this phrase as well. When he opened his mouth, he was going to say something from his heart. And so what did he say? How does Jesus start his great sermon that he delivers? Well, it's often called the Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes. It's each of these phrases that start with the same word, blessed. Blessed are... We'll get there, right? And that word blessed is sometimes confusing because in, in our culture, blessing is like, oh, I'm blessed. I re- I, I, I'm so blessed. I'm receiving something. But it's a little deeper than that. I want you to think about the word blessed as approved or affirmed. Approved are those that are this. Uh, affirmed are those who are this. 
And he kicks it right off. These are matters of the heart. You're going to be touched by the words of Jesus. You'll be given some choices today as to how you're going to live your life. What mindset are you going to have? And you will see, hopefully, that in this sermon, which scholars believe was delivered over several days, actually, on a hillside in Galilee, that it is direct, it speaks clearly to our hearts. I hope it's as powerful for us as it was for those people that day. Blessed. It's one who's divinely approved. Let's start in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus leads with this statement that those who are poor in spirit own the kingdom of heaven. It's such a contrast, isn't it? Someone who's poor gets everything. (laughs) It's a neat contrast, isn't it? But poor is a difficult term for us, especially in our culture, in our time. Poor seems desperate. Poor is inconvenient. Rich is much better, right? Even regarding spiritual things. I don't want to be poor. I want to be rich. But see, we in our temporal, objective world, we often think of it in a financial term or in a possessive term, like poor versus rich. But he doesn't say poor in resources. He doesn't say poor in wealth, poor in what we have. It's poor in spirit. Would you think about that for a second? How? What, what do you mean, Jesus? What are you saying to us? Poor in spirit. It seems destitute. It seems bankrupt. I want to share with you what Jesus shared with me. He said, well, I'll show you what poor in spirit is, Charlie. What is it that is inside you that makes you deserving of the kingdom of heaven? Uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's it. Poor. Like, is there any, is there anything inside you? Is there, is there a merit that you can produce, Charlie, that would make you deserving? No. Okay. What's inside you right now that makes you worthy? Nothing, Lord. There you have it. Poor in spirit. Congratulations. You've inherited the entire universe. Did you catch that? He's saying, If you know that you have nothing to offer, if you know and realize that you can't earn it, if you know and you realize that ultimately you are bankrupt, that's poor in spirit. And so who is it that deserves to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Those who know that they don't deserve it. It's a powerful, powerful way to start. And, you know, I should have said this before. But all of these statements are going to be so counterculture. Right? They're going to be so foreign to what we normally or regularly or fleshly will think. You see, we have nothing to offer God. And, and there's some great, great people who actually realize this same thing. The Apostle Paul is one of them. I want to take you to a writing that he did to the church in Philippi. So it's Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4, 5, and 6 read like this. Though I, Paul, myself, have reasons for such confidence, 
Like, I'm pretty good. That's what he's saying. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh, in what they do, right? I have more. He's beating his chest here a little bit. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I did everything right, right? Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. I'm perfect. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. I dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's. But he goes on to say, but that whatever were gains to me, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. It isn't about what we do. And right out the gate, even the Apostle Paul understands that he's poor in spirit. I encountered recently uh, an excerpt from a book written and published by an Aikido practitioner. That's a martial arts uh, activity. His name's George Leonard, and the book was titled Mastery, The Keys to Success and Long-Term Fulfillment. It goes like this. When Jigoro Kano, the founder of Judo, was quite old and close to his own death, it's... uh, recorded that he called his family and his friends to be close to him at this time of his life. And he told them that he wanted to be buried in his white belt. And so for those of you that know something about the martial arts, you might know that the white belt is actually the beginner's belt. It's the very first belt that you start with uh, as a beginner, as a learner. And I thought this was a very touching story. How humble that one of the world's highest ranking judo masters in his last moments of life would be asked, uh, would ask his family to bury him in the white belt. And I thought that really interesting that um, I eventually realized that it was really about his humility but it was really about his realism and understanding that as he faced death, these ending moments of his life, and the transition from this life to the next life, and I don't know if Kano was a Christian, I, I'm assuming he might not have been, but as we consider our life, we really are beginners, aren't we? Death is this great unknown for us. And so Kano knew that as he faced it, He would become a learner all over again. Jesus challenges his followers to be poor in spirit. I think that's very similar. We are to realize that we're learners, that we're beginners. And uh, for all of us who walk this path of life as a follower of Jesus, no matter how far that journey takes us, Kano's request is a lingering uh, memory for me too that I want to walk in this life as a beginner, as a white belt. Are you willing to wear the white belt and to become a beginner and a learner no matter what? 
That's one of the essences of becoming poor in spirit. And I pray that you can develop the discipline and the habit of self-awareness, knowing that we don't have much to offer God when it really comes down to it, except our faith and our love. And God knows that we're poor in spirit anyway. So the real question is whether we realize it or not. And I think this goes without saying that we are not to be self-abasing and, and self-denying. I, I, that's not what I'm saying here. Oh, woe is me. No, I think this healthy perspective of being a learner and being poor in spirit provides us the opportunity to truly become everything that we are supposed to be. There are now over 3.5 billion people who regularly spend time on social media, and these numbers are continually rising in the world. Sadly, there are those who abuse social media by trolling and bullying and creating posts that invoke negativity and criticism. Most times there's very little accomplished by these activities, only creating more division and discontent. Here's where you and I can make a huge difference. I want to challenge you to be positive online. Just as you aim to be a better person in your daily life, do so on your screens. Every post, every like, every share impacts others, and you have the power to uplift people every day.